Welcome to the Data Protection and Privacy Podcast, hosted by David Clark. Thank you for joining us. David is the founder of one of the largest LinkedIn data protection groups, which now has over 21,000 members, and David has over 102,000 followers on Twitter. This podcast is about data protection and privacy technology, where David chats to leading edge technology companies and thought leaders to discover whether technology can make our data protection work easier. Please subscribe and follow David on Twitter at one David Clark. Hi, welcome to the Data Protection Privacy Podcast. And today I'm really, really excited. I've got Omar El-Nagar, CEO and founder of WeChain. I was reading your website, Omar, and it's really fascinating. There's not a lot of information about this area at the moment. Perhaps you'd be kind enough to, you know, give us a brief description of what WeChain does. Oh, my pleasure, David. And thanks so much for uh, having me on the chat today. Uh, Likewise, excited to, to get together. Well, you know, at WeChain, we're bringing enterprise big data sets to Web3, which is currently impossible because blockchains don't meet enterprise data governance standards and no blockchains meet big data performance needs. So what we do is actually leave the data in the existing high performance databases. And we have really smart hashing technology that works with a variety of blockchains that meet security needs. And this lets you go and unlock Web3 benefits like tamper proofing, data lineage, monetization, and helps Web2 companies connect to, to Web3 customers and more. Yeah, it, it's really interesting. But perhaps maybe just give us a quick run through of what Web3 is from maybe your point of view. Absolutely. And it's uh, really interesting because the, the space has come a long way in the past 10 years. I think, you know, back in 2012 or even 2015, people just thought about cryptocurrencies, things like, like Bitcoin and uh, that really were, were almost speculative assets. Yeah. And, and they didn't think about the blockchain technology that was making it possible. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what I like to say is, is that Web3 is about uh, cryptographic guarantees on transactions that lets you own data and transact with it securely. And, and really it's that security that I think is, is the most interesting piece here. This idea that we can go and understand where a, a bit has traveled and, and who has had possession of it over time. Uh, and that leads to things like then mm. being able to assign a value to those bits and, you know, transact with them like a currency. Yeah. But again, it's that, that security that, that really is, is, is the key part of Web3, in my opinion. I mean, I, I don't know if you've got any use cases or examples that you could just run us through how, how you would see a company using this and what would be their, their outcome, their result. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the earliest use case that we had was actually from a security perspective. Again, that's really what we think is most interesting about Web3. And we were talking to a lot of companies that had dealt with intrusion incidents where a hacker would go and breach their network and not only engage in some bad activity, but then go and scrub the security logs so that the company couldn't even oh, see seen that many what times. they had done Absolutely. or how they did it. That, that's standard practice. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And you know, one of the great things about blockchain technology is that you can establish immutability for these data sets. Yeah. Um, you know, the White House actually put out an executive order last year demanding that all government yeah. security logs yeah, yeah. be put on a blockchain to, yeah. so that you couldn't have hackers scrubbing these logs. So what we do is we go and say, okay, if you can take those security logs and put them on a blockchain that's replicated with a trust network, yeah. well, zero trust means that you still have to assume that you may get breached, but then at least the hackers can't go and cover their tracks. You can't, you can't cover your tracks. So, so how would you build the zero trust network? Does that come with the product or is that something you have to add in yourself? Yeah, we make it really easy to go and, and take your database that stores those security logs and then put WeChain on top of it. And then you have to coordinate, you know, what are the sort of points of presence that you want to, to 
form that trust network such that you, if a hacker breaches your, you know, one environment, they're not actually compromising the entire network. Mm. So it's this idea that in, in a blockchain, uh, based on the consensus algorithm, you would actually have to compromise, say, 51% of the network to really compromise yeah. the data set. Yeah, yeah. So what are those, you know, if you're going to go and have four different points of presence, that means that the hacker would have to go and compromise to, three of them to actually, to make uh, sense. Yeah. yeah, really cause some damage. So that could be different points of presence within your own network. So maybe you're going to have one set up on AWS, one on GCP, one on Azure, right. and one in a local network that all have very different security parameters, such that, uh, you know, if a hacker breaches one of them, they haven't breached all of them. Some of our other customers are actually using external parties for those different points of presence. So having a vendor control one source of data, an auditor control another source of the data. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cloud providers for the other ones. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that feeds into my next question really is why businesses should be concerned about data protection and privacy. And, And I think, you know, legislation has changed, especially in the US in the last year, quite, quite severely or radically, depending on how you, you look at it. That's right. You, you know, I think the era of move fast and break things is over. Mm. You just, <laughs> you can't get away with, with, with playing fast and loose, yeah. especially with customer data. And I, I am proud of a, a lot of what's happening in, in the US, but uh, frankly, the EU with its GDPR regulation really uh, set the tone for a, a lot of this work around five years ago. And I, I think what you're going to start to see is that people are going to be a lot more cautious about whether they actually want to be holding this sensitive information about their users or whether they just want to be utilizing it for their services and, and actually have another trusted authority that, control that. That's a, that's a genius idea. Yeah. Cause, cause I, I gotta admit, I, I've thought for a long time, sometimes a lot of the data protection regulations, although they make a lot of sense that they're, they're actually quite difficult to, to implement. And I think what you're saying here is you can actually outsource inverted commas, the management of the data and keep it safe without actually controlling it directly. Yeah, that's exactly right. There's a a really interesting company called Skyflow that does this in particular and and says, we're going to go and set up this fintech data privacy vault such that you can utilize a customer's payment information and attraction without actually holding that data. And again, you know, one of the beautiful things about, I think, Web3 technology is that it's providing better ways to go and access data without necessarily owning that data piece. And that's so interesting because I, I have to admit, I, I've spoken to various different companies and they've actually asked about, you know, is there a way they can not manage the data bit? So it's a liability. Yeah. And, and I think this is a solution to a, a problem that companies may have recognized, but not realized there's a solution. Yep. And, and, you know, as far as the use cases that we were discussing earlier, again, one of the really uh, cool parts about, you know, web three technology is this idea that you're going to have a a really clear lineage for data pieces so that you can see when something is accessed, when it's moved or pushed around. Yeah. And in those scenarios, as a customer, I want to know who's using my data and how. Yep. You know, if my credit card information is accessed for a transaction, yeah, yeah. I want to have a record of that so that I, I can understand that it hasn't been accessed for inappropriate pers- purposes. Yeah. I was the one who authorized that transaction and, you know, was okay with it being touched. So I suppose you, you could, you could quite easily use the same concept for health data, child data, anything like that, that's particularly sensitive or, you know, medical data. Has anyone accidentally or deliberately altered records of? medicines, things like that. Exactly right. And and I think, you know, once you establish these better paradigms of security and privacy, 
you can actually expand the use cases. So we're working with people in, in a, let's say, early stage field that's referred to as decentralized science, yeah. where people are trying to go and figure out how they can go and have more collaborative data sets for academic research, for example. Yeah. And in these scenarios, researchers want to get their hands on as much data as possible so that their you know machine learning algorithms can, can be as smart mm-hmm. as they can be. But at the same time, they are very sensitive about the privacy of, of the subject of those studies. They don't actually want to, you know, have sensitive information yeah. on their servers that, again, is sort of a liability. And we're providing new ways for them to actually go and, and again, get access to that data without holding it locally and establishing confidential computing paradigms so that their machine learning models can run on data sets without actually exposing any of the uh, raw data itself. This episode is made thanks to vcso.co. We help SaaS companies meet privacy and cybersecurity requirements and standards. That way, they close sale deals quicker and can achieve cyber privacy alignment certifications in minimum time. We leverage our experience with global companies, finance, and regulated environments to help you navigate the layers of corporate compliance. Book a fast compliance consultation at vciso.co. That is V-C-I-S-O dot C-O. What, what does Web3 and blockchain technology have to offer businesses when it comes to protecting their data? I know you've covered some of it, but I suppose the question is, could this apply to any size business or are you just talking enterprise businesses, SMEs or two-man bands or... Yeah, we think that that's actually one of the best parts about WeChain is that let's say five years ago, if you wanted to go and leverage Web3 technology, you would have to go and likely replace an existing database that you had running with a blockchain, mm-hmm. which was actually very poorly suited for, for your needs. But that was the only option that was out there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah definitely. And instead with, with something like WeChain, what we say is keep your data exactly where it is today in the same database and have we've changed sitting on top of that database and giving that data web three properties so that you can go and interact with others in these secure manners without having to actually be a, an expert in, in blockchain, without having to go and learn how that's, to let That's it. really interesting because so, I, I, I was gonna ask you whether you need 20 highly skilled guys to make this work, you can do it. We think that's gonna be a thing in the past. Really? But, uh, you know, a, a lot of us that are sort of on the infrastructure side of web three are trying to figure out how to make it easy, you know, how it can be the same yeah. as somebody going and utilizing AWS today, which again, 15 years ago, it was very challenging to use a cloud provider. Oh yeah. Today it's, you know, something that uh, I can can go and spin up uh, yeah. pretty, pretty easily. That, that, that's, that's amazing. That really is. Um, what should companies do if they don't have blockchain engineering teams or, or big budgets? How, how would that work and how could they benefit from using this technology? Well, you know, there's a few routes you can go. Again, I think you want to find the right partners at this point in time. You know, if you wanted to have like your internal teams learn about all this technology, you're going to get to the point where where we are, where you you might as well go and spin up a a whole new company just around the Web3 infrastructure. And I I don't think that's the right answer for everybody. 
So historically, people have been working with a a few high-end consulting organizations, but they tend to go and build bespoke technology that's expensive and and very hard to scale. So instead, we think that the right partners are are people that have technology solutions that, that fit the need that again, don't require you to build anything bespoke. And so for example, Alchemy is a phenomenal product for running blockchain nodes. I actually think running your own nodes is, is a miserable DevOps challenge that most people are not suited to do. And it's unrelated to, to the actual yeah, business. Yeah. And, and like I mentioned earlier at WeaveChain, we're trying to make it so that you don't have to be an expert in Web3 data technology sure. to benefit from Web3 data benefits. So, so you, what you're saying is kind of maybe the future would be, you know, companies who literally just manage the data, but then use the data and companies who use the data, you know, via what we chain type technology to get the benefit from it. That's precisely right. It, it's all about what your core competency is. And, and, you know, if your business is based on scientific research, your core competency is likely not blockchain engineering. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I suppose the, the other model is, as you say, we use AWS and Google cloud to manage these services. There's another layer on top of that, where you can just re- literally just use the data. That's exactly right. Amazing. Like to, yeah. What's the, what's the use case for that data? You know, yeah. how are you going to, to make the data better for the consumers, for the businesses, for the researchers, you know, the, the, those parts. So, so would that mean that, I don't know, I'm just making up an example that say, say there was a, a data source, yeah, that the access to all of that would be effectively via blockchain, the logs who accessed it would be there, the use case would be kind of logged as well. And I guess the permissioning and access control is, is effectively all integrated. Yeah, you know, that's actually one of the bits where we think WeChain has a, a unique edge in that for most activity on the blockchain, it's all public. It's all decentralized and there, there are no access rates. And that is very challenging when you're dealing with sensitive enterprise data sets. You know, we were talking yeah, earlier. That's about always been a worry, data. hasn't it? That's always been a bit of a worry. Yeah. Sure. You know, I, I just don't want my personal healthcare data to be on a public blockchain. Even yeah. if it's encrypted, you have to worry about things like, you know, somebody losing the keys to that data. Exactly. <laughs> Encryption just comes down to passwords and keys, effectively, so isn't it? Anyway, yeah. And, you know, you start seeing these really interesting things about quantum computing coming online. And who knows if, you know, today's encryption standards will still be viable in 20 years time. And if you put it on a blockchain, it's there forever. Meaning that, you know, that future facing quantum computing technology could go and expose my data from today. Definitely. So I suppose sort of taking that a bit further, does this mean that it's possible to control sovereignty of data? Because at the moment, you know, we say we do, but does that really happen? And how do you verify it? Yes. Yeah, so uh, very difficult to do that. This is a pattern that we're really passionate about. Uh, and we believe that not all data needs to exist on chain to, to benefit from, from Web3. So the pattern that we have at WeChain, again, is that you leave the data in the database that it sits in today, which is, you know, protected behind a firewall, you know, by your hospital in a way that we're, we're comfortable with today. Yeah. And then what you do is, is you put just the hash of that data on the blockchain so that you can have all those beautiful property abilities, properties like immutability, and then figure out ways to provide permission to access to that data for, for whoever it is appropriate. Instead of just saying, we're going to put it on the blockchain and, and, and sort of let it be a free for all. So I think also maybe what we're saying here is that there's, there's potentially new business models for data usage as well that we've not seen before. Absolutely. Not, because we've not been able to do it. 
So I, I think a, a really good example of that is the Mobi consortium. So this is a consortium of a lot of major automakers like Toyota and Ford and insurance providers. And they're trying to envision a world where car telematics data can actually be shared for, for new business models. Yeah. So, you know, back in wow. 2010, you had insurance providers like Allstate that would have a, a mobile app that would measure your driving patterns. So that oh, we could yeah, say, yeah. if you're staying based, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. We're going to give you a discount on your insurance. Yeah. Now that technology is boilerplate. So every Toyota car from 2019 onwards builds, has built in the ability to measure your driving patterns. So that Toyota can sort of understand your behaviors yeah. and help you be a safer driver or, or understand what kind of cars you like better. Yeah. This is super sensitive data though. Yeah. And the, the, the thing that Moby that's doing is interesting is that they're trying to figure out, well, what if we could go and combine the entire world's driving data into one pool so that we could go and understand things like global carbon emissions from these wow. cars yeah, interesting. or how autonomous vehicles could be communicating with each other in real time as they're driving down the, the street. Wow. And this is a really challenging problem from a, a data privacy perspective. Yeah, because yeah. again, it, this is not data that you can just go and put on a public blockchain. Yeah. I do not want my driving patterns to be out there for, for anybody to go. And, yeah, especially mine. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Right? But at the same time, again, with, with our pattern, we're saying, let's let each of these uh, manufacturers that already have this data today, keep that data in their secure environments. And then understand better ways that that data can be used in a collaborative fashion so that you can go and, and expose it at the right moment, at the right time for the right purpose yeah. with as little data actually moving around as possible and, and make sure that it's all traced so that, you know, these companies Absolutely. can be audited in the future yeah. and have reputational risk to, to any bad activity. Yeah, no, absolutely fascinating. Mindful IT. If your small or medium-sized company needs help with its current project, or if you would prefer to get the help or advice now and avoid problems later, Mindful IT can help you out. We sell, service, and manage Linux servers, as well as internal business networks and public-facing internet servers. If you don't want to pay high prices for generic cutie-cutter services, but want a custom solution and clearly communicated advice, Mindful IT offers the care and customization that your business deserves. Mention this podcast and get your first consultancy call completely free. Visit Mindful IT for more information. So I, I've got a tough question here for you, Amal, yeah, um, if that's okay. If blockchain technology makes data immutable, yeah. how will companies uh, that use this manage GDPR and data subject access rights? And the favorite is delete all my data, that kind of thing. This is a tricky one. Well, I, I think there's sort of a, a few different ways to approach it. Again, my preferred approach is don't put that sensitive data on the chain to begin with. Yeah. You know, have your, your private permission blockchains for this data yeah. and make it available to public permissionless consumers on demand as appropriate yeah. and utilize things like confidential computing as often as possible so that that raw data never has a chance to be exposed. Now, so, so we're controlling this at source effectively. Exactly right. Yeah, right. The one is too late. You nailed it. Now, it, I, I think there are some other paradigms that are coming on that, that are pretty interesting. There's this idea of, of having a, a tombstone in a data set where you say at, at this moment in time, we are going to mark that all the data that we've seen to date is no longer valid. And so if we're going to go and replicate this data set with somebody else in the future, yeah. it wouldn't include the data that's been tombstoned over here. Ah, okay. 
Now, the problem here is that the data that's been tombstone still exists on the databases of everybody who had seen it so far. Yes. And you're sort of trusting those parties to be not to use actors. It. Yeah, yeah. That's right. to, 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 to respect the tombstone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is suboptimal. But what's interesting that we're seeing in sort of the decentralized space is that I think that a lot of these protocols are actually going to regulate themselves and try to build in mechanisms to conform to the rules that society establishes, because that's the only way we're going to get to, to a utopia and not a dystopia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's it's sort of the same way that today most of us are operating on the normal internet and not on the dark web, yeah. where there's yeah. lots of illicit illegal activity. Even though anybody could go and open up a, a dark web page right sure. now, and it's because we're trying to follow the rules. We we, we know yeah. that this legislation yeah. is there to protect us, and it's not in our best interest to try to, to sneak around it. And so I I think what I'm excited about it is again if this new regulation comes online trying to, to put these rules out there, the hope is that decentralized entities will choose to follow those rules, even if they don't have to. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Because it's, you're able to do it. I mean, you know, one of the big things I see a lot of is when companies get hit by ransomware or various other things, they really don't know what data they've got there in the first place, let alone mm -hmm. looked at it even before the ransomware either encrypted it or exfiltrated it. So it's in everybody's yeah. best interests. Very, very interesting that. What, what about consumers? What, what do you reckon the benefits would be for, for, especially from data privacy and data protection benefits they can see from web three technology? Yeah. How, you know, how, how do you see that working? I mean, it sounds, sounds really interesting so far. Yeah. Sure. And, and we've definitely been talking about it in more of an, an enterprise or, or corporate context, yeah. but I, I think really the vision that I'm excited about is this idea where I will be the owner of this data that all these other companies are collecting about me. Yep. And if they're going to go and sell that data to others, I want to have a record of that sale so that I can understand how the data has moved around. I want to have the option to cut off the faucet and say that I no longer want these data points to be sold. Interesting. And yes. I want, you know, the potential to actually derive value from those sales when they happen. You know, oh, really? Really? The field's being referred to yeah. as, as yeah. personal data brokerage. Yeah. And it, it, it's really interesting. You know, there are a few companies that are pursuing these. These products like yeah, there are a couple on there. Frontage, Miko, TrueID, and um, again, the, the key is, is saying that I am the original owner of my data, and maybe Facebook has collected this information about me. I should understand what they've collected, yeah, and then I should understand whenever they're giving it to other parties. Interesting. See, so this is real ownership, then, isn't it? This is real ownership because you know what's going on, and you, and you right. can either stop it or encourage it. Exactly right. And wow. to be honest, I think most people aren't going to want to put effort into thinking about it. No. And the reason it's called personal data brokerage is that you are still going to trust that Facebook is going to be finding the people that want to be using your data to maybe provide better offers to you or uh, sort of understand your, your patterns better. And if they're going to give that value back to you, that that's okay. As long as I have the option to say no, right? It's sort of like an opt-out approach as opposed to an opt-in method. So potentially if we extrapolated from there, are we saying that we could actually control the use of that data various data life cycle? So I can say you can use my son's data for X, Y, and Z, but you can't use it for this. And I can actually check that that is the case. Yeah, exactly right. For example, my LinkedIn profile, I'm very comfortable with anywhere in the world having access to that. Yeah. My personal phone number, however, uh, yeah. <laughs> I would love to keep that private. To yeah, minimize. ideally. 
you know, the the spammers that that are just coming after me. You know, again, I I think a lot of these patterns are rooted in having that data offline, off chain in my personal account and accessible, you know, the, the pattern that we look at is uh, verifiable credentials where maybe I'm going to have some authority that that's certifying that, you know, this is in fact my LinkedIn profile or my phone number or, or something or my address or something of that nature. But I would be the person that controls that data point. And if somebody else wants to use it, well, they can go and verify that it's accurate and then they can go and pull it for me if I'm providing access. That makes a lot of sense. So if, if there's any, anybody interested or any companies that would like to find out more information about this, Omar, yeah, what's the best way that they can get in touch with you? Well, we'll put a bunch of good links in the description, but right. we're over at wavechain.com. That's W-E-A-V-E-C-H-A-I-N.com. You can always shoot us an email at hello at wavechain. You know, it's a fancy email, but it goes directly <laughs> to me. So, so I, I'm more than happy to stay in touch. No, and you know, our community is on discord. We're seeing that's where a lot of web three happens. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And this one over there and they're welcome to follow us on, on Twitter at we web three and, and a few other social channels as well. And, and we can all join your discord channel. Yeah. There's a restriction on that. That's right. Fully that's open. Good. And you know, we're doing our best to, to make it a, a safe, good environment where I, people I, can I look forward to that is amazing. Well, thank you kind of so much, Omar. I think you've fried my brain today, but that's <laughs> absolutely brilliant. This, this is definitely looking like a, a very different future, isn't it? To what we're used to. Oh, my pleasure, David. I, I think, uh, a lot of us are, are trying to take a position where we want to help people come and learn about the, this exciting new technology and hopefully a, a way that's, uh, beneficial and, and easy to understand. Right. Thank you so much, Omar. And I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Cheers. WeaveChain brings enterprise big data to Web3. This unlocks basic Web3 benefits like tamper-proofing, data lineage, and built-in monetization, and connects Web2 companies to Web3 customers and more. Visit us at WeaveChain.com to learn more and join our private beta. This episode is brought to you by vcso.co. We help companies to meet privacy and cybersecurity requirements and standards so they close sales deals quicker and can achieve cyber certifications privacy alignment in minimum time. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe.